You are listening to the Hope Church Weekly Message Podcast. Hope Church is located in Cleveland, Texas and meets on Sundays. Pastor Todd and the preaching team desire for this message to bring life in a dark world. For more information about Hope Church, visit HopeChurchCleveland.com. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. And I say we, I mean universally, we are in trouble. You know, this last year we experienced one of the most difficult things in most of our lifetime, a a global pandemic, and most of us didn't ever think this is something that we would experience. But if you know much about psychology, what happens in the worst of times? Our true colors come to light, right? And so I'm not a psychologist, so, you know, I'm sure there's some deeper studies in that, but, you know, I just had to take one psychology class in my theology degree. But um, you, what you have, what you have is our true colors have come to the surface. And what are our true colors? I don't know. Let's see. Let's do some research. According to Pew Research in 2019, so before the pandemic, In the U.S., the number of religious nuns, so meaning they have no religious affiliation, had grown by over 30 million in the last decade. So since 2009 to 2019, 30 million more people said they don't believe in anything. According to the American Worldview Inventory in 2020, evangelicals, so people that say they believe in God, are rapidly embracing secularism. Secularism. That's a big word for a Sunday morning. (laughs) Secularism. Yeah, you got to be very careful how you say that. Uh, With a majority of 52% rejecting absolute moral truth. So over half rejecting absolute moral truth. 75% believed that people are basically good rather than the Bible view of humans having a sin nature. So 75% of evangelicals say that we are basically good. Well, guys, if you read the Bible, what you're going to find out is we are basically bad. And we need Jesus. And 61% admitting they no longer read the Bible daily. Daily. 60, that's evangelical. That's people that believe in Jesus. All right. So here's here's the stat that punches us right in the gut. You ready for it? According to Barna Research, if you don't know what Barna Research is, Barna is the foremost research group for the church. They did a study in post-pandemic church. It said 32% of Christians, 32% of Christians, that's you people, that you believe in Jesus, 32% have stopped attending church during COVID-19. Roy, it's not very funny, buddy. I know we laugh because we're uncomfortable, but it's not very funny. (laughs) Listen, guys, one third. So we're 1% away from one third of Christians have stopped attending church because of COVID-19. So you're saying, you're saying to us that when something difficult happens, what's the first thing we do? Stop attending church. Church, we need to rise up. We need to get our head together. Because you know what? We are in trouble. 
But you know what I do know? The church is not in trouble. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, I tell you, tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And what? And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Guys, this series is called Revival. And so you know what we need to do? We need to have revival. The problem is, we as the church go, we sit in our warm, cozy, cushioned chairs with the AC on. Sometimes it just depends on if Ronnie wants to put it on this day or not. <laughs> I'd be happy to report I did not sweat last week when I preached. Um, but, <laughs> but we sit in our four walls and we go up, we, we look at the world, we look down at our nose and go, you people need revival. Well, I got news for you. According to the statistics, you people need revival. We will not have revival in our nation until revival breaks out in the church. You know why? Because we are our own worst enemy. We're terrible. And what did the pandemic show us? We're not as committed as we once were. If one third of us drops off, then we're not as committed. I talked to a lot of pastors this week. And I talked to a lot of frustrated pastors. You know why? Because none of us had anywhere close to Easter numbers that we've had in years past. You know why? One third of you don't attend church anymore. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir slightly today because you're all here at church today. But what I'm trying to tell you is revival has to start with us. Revival has to start with us. That's the title of my today's message. Revival has to start with us. And if it doesn't start with us, it's never going to go anywhere. So if you have your Bibles, grab them. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. That's where I'm going to start. That's not where I'm going to end. I'm going to be all over the place today. So let me, just, let me just give you a hint, okay? Tina does a great job at making sure my notes are in the app. So go to the app. You're going to need that today to follow along. I'm throwing a whole lot of information your way. It's a good thing. Not going to apologize for it, but I've set it up so you can follow along uh, and, and you could do that. But I'm going to start in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Uh, let me make a quick announcement. Directly following this service, we have our Hope Connect class, which is our new members class. If you would like to be in that class, I still have a little bit of room. Uh, I can probably take about eight to 10 more of you, uh, none more. Uh, so if eight to 10 of you want to go to the Hope Connect class, Pastor Grant's got donuts for you and juice and coffee. Uh, and I'm going to yell at you or not yell at you. I'm going to teach until I, I, I feel like I'm yelling all the time. I'm going to teach. I'm going to teach until somebody walks in the room and go, it's your turn. And I'm going to walk right out. And then, and then the, our team is going to finish us off uh, in there. So we got a great class for you today. Trust me. Hey, if you want to know everything there is to know about Hope Church, this class has it for you. You can become a member uh, and then you'll have the voting right to fire me. But if you fire me, then you have to preach the next Sunday. I'm just letting you know. All right. So revival starts with us. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. It says, if my people who were called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. What's the first thing we must do to have revival? 
What's the first thing we must do to have revival? Just said it. We said we have to repent and turn. So my first point today is we've got to repent from our wicked ways and turn towards the Lord. Guys, one thing our culture cannot handle, you cannot handle it. And social media has shown you this more. We cannot handle being wrong. Let's have a show of hands in this place. Raise your hand, okay? This is group participation. How many of you have a friend that is never wrong? Or they think they're never wrong, okay? Those of you not raising your hand, you're that friend, okay? Um, just put your hand down. You knew that was going to happen. You've been here before. You knew that was going to happen, all right? Come on. Uh, you're that friend. And we all have that friend. And you're like, would you just shut up? You can't possibly be right about everything, right? That's what my wife tells me all the time. I'm like, listen, babe, all right, come on. <laughs> You're not always right. Well, maybe. <laughs> but guys, in our, culture, we, in our culture, we cannot have truth because if the way we are living is proven to be wrong, what do we do? We get angry and we fight back. That's what we have. Now, I, you know, I, I hesitate to say this. Now, we're not live streaming this service, but I'm just warning you. I'm going to say it in the live stream service. But this cancel culture stuff is wearing me out. If something makes us uncomfortable, we cancel it. Well, guys, I'm here to tell you, you can't cancel the word of God. And it's going to absolutely make you uncomfortable. Because that's what it's it said. It's, it, the Bible describes itself as sharper than any two-edged sword. So it'll cut those things out of you. And so, guys, listen. Truth is truth. And let's face it. If we assume that we're all good, then we don't need, we don't, or you can't handle the truth, right? That's from a movie, right? Who, I forget which movie it's from. Jack Nicholson said it, but I don't remember. Few Good Men, yeah. See, I wasn't allowed to watch that as a kid, so I just know the, the quote, you know, because I was holy. I'm just kidding. Um, but what it boils down to, what? None of us have it all together. So every one of us needs truth. You know, guys, I'm reading the Bible this week, and, I, and God put me in Judges, okay? So I know you're like, whoo, man, God's really working in your heart in Judges. But something he showed me very clearly is he warned Israel over and over and over again, if you will not turn to me, what will I do? I will release my hand from you. Now, what did God do? It's not that he was, it's not that he was allowing bad things to happen. He released his protection. And when God released his protection, what happened? Bad things happened. I think that that's what God is starting to do with us. He's saying, listen, you people are wicked. And I'm starting to release my hand little by little. And these bad things are going to happen. And if you don't wake up, I'm not going to put that protection back. Us as Americans, we've lived with prosperity. We've lived with comfort for long enough. And that's what happened with Israel. They got comfortable. They started worshiping all these other gods. And you're like, well, Pastor Todd, I'm not worshiping at the altar of a golden calf. You are. It just looks different. You worship at the altar of your kids' sports. You worship at the altar of your bedroom because you don't want to get up in the morning and come to church. You worship at the altar of your cell phone, keeping up with the social media influencers. You just pick what altar you're worshiping at. We worship other gods. 
Just because we don't burn things down into, and make a golden calf like they did in Charlton Heston's Ten Commandments, that doesn't mean that that's not what we're doing. But guys, we've got to repent. But true repentance is the willingness to lay down any opinions or actions that do not align with the truth of God. I'm going to say that again. True repentance is laying down anything in our life that does not align with the word of God. That means if we're wrong, we fix it. That means if we have something in our lives that's not good, we fix it. But far too often what we've done is is going, I'm not wrong, I'm just living my truth. Does that sound familiar? Well, you can live your truth, but your truth's going to take you to hell. His truth is the only thing that leads to a road in the streets of gold and the pearly gates. Man, this is a good, man, whew, I'm sorry. I hope y'all brought your boots today. It's, I mean, it's a revival. What did you think I was going to preach on during revival? You think I was going to be like, oh, you're so great. Okay. Um, <laughs> trust me, it's, it only gets better from here. <laughs> Let's keep reading. John 7, if you're following along your Bible, John 7, 37. Not an airplane, but a Bible verse. On the last day of the feast... The great day Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So first, we've got to repent and turn. And number two, for revival to start with us, we have to be willing vessels, willing to be poured out. Vessels willing to be poured out. God wants to flow through us like living water. But if we do not allow that, to, that water to flow, we become stagnant. Here's the problem in the church. We have more good teaching. We have more quality Bible study than any culture has ever have. But what we've done is we've made a consumer culture out of Christianity. We are just consumers. We just consume all that we can and we do nothing with it. But guys, if you don't listen to a message and it changes the way you live your life, you didn't learn anything. You're just listening. The Bible says it puffs us up. More knowledge puffs us up. Man, I, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of, <laughs> you know, a popular phrase for seminary. If you know what seminary is, it's, it's, a, it's a college that teaches pastors. A lot of them call it cemetery. You know why they call it cemetery? Because a bunch of pastors go there to learn a whole lot and all they do is become full of knowledge. They become puffed up and they don't do anything with it and just provide more death to the culture. But guys, if you know anything about water, water has to flow. If it sits still, what does it do? It stagnates. This last, this last summer, my wife is a daredevil. I know, you know, you're like, well, she's married to you. She has to be a daredevil, right? Uh, but my wife is a daredevil. We went white water rafting. How many have been white water rafting, right? Okay. Is it amazing how much flowing water can cause destruction? Like 
the guy is sitting there giving us, he's like, listen, we're about to go down this. And if, if we hit this rock, this might flip us. And, and we've got to go through all these safety protocols of if, if we hit this rock, it'll flip us. If we do this, you might even got to wear a helmet. And like, it's just water, right? But guys, if water gets moving at a fast pace, it can, it can get moving. It can get, it can shape new canyons. It can shape new things. It can move giant boulders that could never be moved before. Imagine if you get the spirit of God flowing through you, what giant boulders in your life you could move. The problem is too many of us are just stinking ponds. We just let the water sit there, let it stagnate, and it's gross. My dad and brother own some land out in Rising Star, and they have a pond, and it stinks. You know why? Because it's not only their fish to live in there, it's also the cow's toilet. How many of you want to line up to drink water out of that? But that's what the Bible's saying to you. Too many of you are a cow's toilet, a stagnant water. What God wants you to be, I know I'm painting a great picture this morning, I'm sorry. Uh, what God wants you to be is a mighty moving stream. But guys, you are the willing vessel in which God intends to pour out his spirit on a hurting world. You know how God intends to heal our land? With you. You know how God wants to pour out his spirit on the nations? With you. You are his vessel. And you know what? If you won't do it, guess what? He'll find somebody else. God's mission is going to happen whether you get on board or not, but he wants to use you. That's why I always encourage you guys, get in the game. This bus is moving or it's going to keep moving without you. It's not that I'm being insensitive. I know that the mission of God is going to move forward whether you get on the bus or not. But listen, that bus is moving. It can't stop. It can't slow down for you to get on board. You have to catch up. I think far too many of us have made church a consumer mentality. You're like, well, pastor, that's not true. Now, I don't think anybody that complained goes to this church anymore. But did you know that one, at one point I had a complaint as a pastor that I removed pews from this room and put in chairs? Can you believe that? We had pink carpet and red pews. That sounds amazing, doesn't it? Why would you not want that? I mean, when you buy a building, you're like, I just keep the carpet the way it is, right? That's, that's what I want. Now, it was in style at some point, right? But not, in two, not, not when we bought it, 2000, whenever we bought it. When did we buy this building? 2012? 14. I knew my wife would know. 2014. It wasn't in style back then either. But I had people come up to me and go, Pastor, you took my pew. I said, guys, you know what we're doing with this room? We're making this room flexible. So if we decide to do anything with this room, we can do it. That's why we have the chairs. It's not that we like chairs. It's that now this room instantly is so flexible. We can do anything in this room we need to do, even if it's not church. Yeah, we, yeah one year it rained for trunk or treat and we had an enormous bounce house sitting where Paul's sitting. Raise your hand, Paul. And we put... Too many kids for the rules uh, in this bounce house. And you know what? You know why we could do that? Because we didn't have pews. 
It's hard to move pews when you need a bounce house, <laughs> when they're bolted to the floor. <laughs> if you'll walk around and you'll feel, in some areas, you can still feel where the holes were, where the bolts were. That's just it. But guys, we get this consumer mentality. You think some of you walked up this morning and went, I love those shrubs. What do shrubs have to do with the mission of God? Nothing. Nothing at all. Like, well, the coffee didn't taste good at that church. I'm going to go to another church. <laughs> or they have a coffee shop in this church. What? What? Listen, you know how you find a church? It's not finding the, light, the right worship, although our worship team's amazing. It's not finding a good preacher, although I'd like to think our preaching's all right. You know what it is? It's finding a mission that you can get behind. Because church isn't about you. It's not about you being comfortable. It's about you getting on board with the mission of God. You are a willing vessel so that God's spirit can be poured out. And you know what? God's spirit is not going to fill you up until you're empty. You have to be emptied to pour out for him to pour his spirit out. So when you come in here and like, God, spirit, move. You have to do something during the week to pour out that spirit so you have some room. Some of you are getting this. Some of you aren't. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Takes me to the last point. And Jesus, you know, he was a subtle guy. He said, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. You know, Jesus just had a way with words. Um, you know, he just, he just was very subtle in how he said things. You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners they may, <laughs> that they may be seen by others. Look at them. Look at how they pray. Truly, I say to you, they have, they have received their reward, but when you pray, go into a room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who's in secret will reward you. The third key to revival beginning with you is humility. Humility is key. When we see God work, it's easy to pound at our chest and go, look at what I did. Now, guys, we have a lot to be proud of as a church. In September, I will have been your pastor nine years. And we went from 30 people meeting in a, the Cleburne Conference Center to here. What we, I mean, last week, man, if you can't get excited about us having, having a good crowd, we had a bigger crowd than some of the Railroaders games. Okay? I've been to Railroaders games that had less people. I'm just telling you. And guys, we had church at a baseball field. But it's easy for us to go, look at us. We're awesome. But you know what God says? If you want your reward, you stay humble. You do the little things. You don't stand in the street corner and go, I am a super spiritual person. Listen to me pray. Right? <laughs> That's the picture that Jesus is painting here. Now, here's my gripe. I grew up Baptist and now I'm a Pentecostal. Uh, so here's my gripe with the Pentecostal church. Sometimes we as Pentecostals think that we're better than everybody. We think because we got the Holy Ghost, we're better than everybody. 
If you don't got the Holy Ghost, then you don't got nothing. Now, I, I mean, I, I'm kind of with you on the, we need the Holy Ghost to do this stuff. But just because we're Pentecostals does not make us better than our Anglican brothers. Just because we're Pentecostal doesn't make us better than our Baptist brothers. You know what it makes us? It makes us like these people. We like to stand out on the street corner and go, we're Pentecostals, hear us roar. But what does Jesus say? Be humble. Be humble. Because if you're humble, I will reward you. Guys, and unfortunately, I'm a preacher, so I have to use my own examples. I can't use your examples. So I'm trying to be humble with this as much as I can. The reason we had, we had church at a baseball field is because the Lord spoke to me and said, serve the owner of the team and don't expect anything from him. I've served John Junker and the railroaders and I served him, did what he asked me to do. I did some things I didn't necessarily want to do. And we had, we had church at a baseball field because I was humble and said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I've never told the guy no. Meaning we would get up at 8 a.m. on some Saturday mornings and go hand out food during the entire pandemic. I'm here to tell you I like to sleep on Saturday mornings. 8 a.m. is an early call time for a Saturday morning, okay? But you know what? God asked me to do something, so I did it. But guys, if you want the Spirit of God to flow through you, humility is key. God cannot move in a prideful heart. As Pastor Mo said a little bit earlier, God cannot act outside of his character. Where there is pride, God cannot be. So if God, if you want God to move in your heart, in your life, you cannot be prideful, period. Humility is key. Jesus came to this earth and he could have been born in the most amazing palaces, be served by all the people in the world, but what did he do? He came, he was born in a barn with the smell of poop and served everybody as a carpenter. That's our example, and we expect to get out in front of everybody and go, listen, I am Christian. Look how amazing I am. If you are Christian, you're called to serve the lost and dying world that is out there. You're called to preach to the world with your actions. Too many times we are like the hypocrites. We sit on Facebook and pound our chest and go, look how awesome we are. We care about life. We care about this. We care about this. If you care about life, then do something about it. It's not enough just to say it if you do nothing with it. Pastor Grant, we may not have anybody back in church next week. That's good. This is a great church growth strategy. So what does this mean for us? Number one, do you need to repent and align your heart with God? Do you need to repent and align your heart with God? Guys, here's my fear. Here's, here's the thing. I'm going to be your pastor no matter what happens, okay? But here's my fear. If we don't wake up as a whole culture, God's going to wake us up. You know where the Spirit of God is moving the most in our world? 
in countries that it's illegal to move. So we better wake up and figure it out or God's going to allow us to show how much his spirit can move when it's illegal to do it here. Now, thankfully, we still live in a country that, that those things are happening. I, I love to see that the, the Supreme Court was overturning California's ruling on, on not allowing churches to meet. That's, that's a positive sign for you guys. That's not, I'm not political. I'm pro-church. But guys, we have to face that if we will not repent and turn to the Lord as a culture, God's just going to keep moving his hand away from us. He's protecting us and he's protected us for a long time. But God is slowly removing his hand from our nation. Now, I don't think it's going to happen quick. But I think our kids may have to worry about it. If we don't get it straight. And I know you care about your kids as much as I care about mine. And I don't want my kids to live in a nation that God has removed his hand. Because right now, our leaders are saying we live in a post-Christian nation. That's a quote from one of our former presidents. So we better figure it out. Or are we going to be a post-Christian nation in a big way? Number two, do you want to be a willing vessel for him? Guys, did you know that the spirit of God can flow in the grocery line? Did you know that the spirit of God can flow at Starbucks? You know, I, I'm with you. A lot of people give me a hard time about my love of Starbucks. They're like, well, they're a, they're a very secular company. Well, they may be, but I'm, I'm here to tell you a lot of kingdom business happens at Starbucks, whether they like it or not. And guys, you are the vessel. You are the minister. You take the spirit of God wherever you go. So go do it. Stop waiting for the church to come up with a great outreach strategy. You know what our outreach strategy is? They're sitting in front of me. You're my outreach strategy. Did you know that 80% of people will attend church if someone invites them? It's actually a little higher than that, but it's 80 something and I didn't want to give you the right, so I shot lower. And you know, on Easter Sunday, about 7 to 10% of people will attend church just from advertising. So what, what I'm saying to you is you are eight times more effective than anything that I can do. You know, we, we paid for Facebook ads, I think 50, 60 bucks a pop. And did you know that you're more worth, you're inviting your friends is more valuable than a Facebook ad? That's how powerful you are, guys. Because there's people out there that you work with that will come to church and will say yes. All you have to do is, hey, would you go to church with me and let me take you to lunch afterwards? Behold the power of the lunch. How many of you will do things for free food? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand, right? I see that hand. I see that hand. How do we get those shrubs done? Montez breakfast burritos. That's how we did that. I see that hand, right? Is that what that place is called? Monty, excuse me. I was trying to be all Spanish. <laughs> I'm bilingual, though. <laughs> I don't even know English. That's the problem. Uh, laugh. Go ahead. It's fine. It's so easy to be up here. So easy a caveman can do it, right? Yeah, I love you too, Patty. Um, 
All right, number three. I don't, I don't know where I'm gonna, I've got nothing else on this one. Do you want to bring revival to our hurting world? Guys, if you want to bring revival to our hurting world, it starts with you. It has to start with you. I wanted to start this series with this message, but this message doesn't preach as well at Easter. I'm sure you can understand why. I began with life. I began with God can bring life back to a dying soul. But the problem is, many of us Christians have a dying soul, we just think, because we come and sit in the church pew every Sunday morning. We read our Bible or we make or we make these fancy Bible verses to post on Facebook that God is actually changing us with the Word of God. He's not. Guys, if sitting in these four walls and listening to good preaching would change the world, we'd have a dangerous church, but it won't. What changes the world is you. What changes the world is you being on fire for Jesus. That's what changes the world. The the, the young man that Grant is talking about, he came to our Easter service. You know why? Because our staff, every Wednesday, goes and eats lunch at his restaurant, and we tip well. We love him. We care for him. That's why he came to Easter service. And you know how long it took? Months. So if the pastor has to invite someone for six months just for them to come to Easter, imagine what you got to do. It's not just magic for me either. But it takes investment. So would you stand? I'm going to say a prayer for us. And Pastor Mo's going to sing a song. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, is there something that I need to get straight in my life? I also want you to ask the Lord, Lord, is there somebody that I need to minister to? Do I need to be a willing vessel today? As we sing, I want you to ask the Lord these questions. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that we get to be in this place. Lord, I know the message is a little prickly today and that's okay. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to repent, turn from our wicked ways and seek your face so that you can heal our land. Lord, I'm tired of serving a church, the church, the worldwide church that's a bunch full of a bunch of haughty Christians that think they're amazing when they're doing nothing to change the world around them. Lord, may Hope Church not be that place. Lord, may Hope Church be a place of broken and hurting people. They may be broken vessels, but they're willing vessels. And Lord, I pray that you would just patch our broken holes, Lord, so that we could hold more of your spirit and pour out that spirit on our land. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.